Welcome to Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the teaching ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing a sermon from my husband's in-depth Through the Bible series on Heavenly Authority. For the last few sermons, we have been studying the Office of the Apostle, and the current sermon continues an examination of those in the New Testament, other than the Twelve, who are called Apostles. When we left off, Pastor Greg was talking about Barnabas and reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Here, Paul emphatically tells the Corinthian church that they are the evidence of his apostleship and that, though he and Barnabas had the right as apostles to receive support from the church, they denied themselves and did not use that right. Let's rejoin Pastor Greg. He says, don't we have the right uh, to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles? Don't we, who, Barnabas and I, have the right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles? So clearly, Barnabas is among the apostles. Okay? And it tells us here something interesting. The other apostles, the brothers of the Lord, that would include James, that would include Jude. We have the book of Jude. We know the other brothers, there were, there were several brothers that Jesus had, I believe it was four, that come along and believe in, and believe in the Lord. And Cephas, Peter, who's held by all to be the head of the twelve, they all take with them what? Believing wives, right? Well, one of the first miracles you read about in the Gospels is the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, which meant that Peter had to be married. So, so much for this idea of celibacy among leaders being mandated. Clearly, it was not the case with the majority of the apostles. It was the case in, Paul, in Paul's situation and probably Barnabas. Paul seems his whole life. But it's not a requirement of the apostleship. They had the right to bring along with them a believing wife, and they had a right to, as the Lord commanded, to receive physical benefits for bringing spiritual things to these people, but he places aside those rights. The signs of the apostle, the work, um, he, says, I'm, he says, I'm compelled, verse 16, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. They are compelled. You feel the call here on Paul's life. He has to preach the gospel. Woe to him if he does not preach the gospel. He's compelled to. But he's to be provided for in doing it. But if he doesn't get provided for, then he has a reward. Then he has something to boast about because this is the way the Lord has laid it out that the apostles were to go out to count upon those they ministered to, to minister back to them, to be able to bring a believing wife. But Paul and Barnabas, they have laid that all aside, not to hinder the work of the Lord. You see here the rights for provision of the apostles while laboring. There are others that are mentioned as apostles in the New Testament as well, and we want to get to them. Romans chapter 16 and verse 7. 
He says, greet Andronicus and Junia, uh, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. And that word countrymen, some translations will say relatives or kinsmen, depending on what translation you have. The primary meaning of the Greek word is a relative by blood. And then, by extension, it comes to mean a fellow countryman. But the primary meaning is a kinsman, a relative, a cousin. So these two are Jews, clearly, Adronicus and Junia, and very possibly relatives of Paul, who were saved before him, in Christ before me, and at some point suffered imprisonment with him, uh, and my fellow prisoners, he says in verse 7. The first name there, Andronicus, is clearly masculine. But the second name is the Greek for the Latin name, which can be either masculine, and some of your translations will say Junius, which is masculine, or female. And some of your translations will say Junia, as here in the, uh, the New King James and the King James, and Junia is female. And it can be translated either way. Uh, if they're both male, they're probably brothers being listed together. If Junia is the proper translation, if she is a female, then, then most likely you have a husband-wife ministry team, as up above in verse 3, where you have um, Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Going back to verse 7, he says of Andronicus and Junia, who are of note among the apostles, that word note means stamp, mark, standing out, who are of note among the apostles, or who are notable among the apostles, or some of your translations will say, who are outstanding among the apostles. Uh, the Greek expert Archibald Thomas Robinson, because there's a lot of debate over the scripture, uh, wrote, he said, naturally this means that they were counted among the apostles in the general sense true of Barnabas, James, uh, the brother of Christ, Silas, and others. But it can mean simply that they were famous in the circle of the apostles in the technical sense. The most natural way you translate this in the Greek and the most natural way you read it when it says who are of note among the apostles is that they are outstanding among the apostles. They are apostles. And not only are the apostles, they're noteworthy apostles in the church. Many have taken it to mean, well, they are of note among them, meaning the apostles think highly of them as opposed to being apostles themselves, which is a possibility for the translation, but is stretching it. And many do that because it seems so unusual to them to have these two listed in Romans chapter 16, verse 7, as apostles. The image of just the 12, or of, well, just the 12, and let's allow Paul and Barnabas is so clear in many minds that to have two others listed as apostles uh, can be a problem to them. But the natural meaning, the straightforward translation, is apostle in the general sense that is true of Barnabas, of James, the Lord's brother, Silas, and others. Now, except for knowing that they were saved before Paul, uh, we don't know again if they witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Clearly, they're not of the twelve. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in speaking about the collection for the Judean saints, Paul writes um, in chapter 8, verse 23, 
If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning uh, you. And you see here how strongly uh, Paul feels about Titus, the endorsement he gives him. And later on, Paul will give Titus in the book of Titus a charge to actually appoint elders over the churches. So Titus has a very special ministry. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, now he doesn't say who they are, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. And you know that the different churches appointed men, responsible men, to go with Paul and bring the collection from the Gentile churches to the Judean saints who were suffering greatly uh, in Jerusalem. And at least two of these men, these brethren, are called messengers of the churches. If anyone asks about them, they are messengers of the churches. Well, that word there for messenger is literally apostle. They are apostles of the churches. They are sent out ones of the churches. And here, and the next scripture I'll read to you, are the only two times the word apostle is translated messenger. Every place else, if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the other letters, even when they talk about false apostles, it's the same word, apostolos. But here it's translated as a messenger, again because it's hard to understand that there might be other apostles besides the ones we tend to think of as apostles. It's being used as messenger, meaning they have the responsibility to the churches. They're sent out from the churches to bring the funds to Jerusalem. But is that all Paul's saying here? Is he using a word apostle, which has so much meaning to the church at that time, as an adjective to say, well, they're messengers. The word apostle is so filled with meaning to the early church. And if you look at the rest of that verse, in verse 23, he says, the glory of Christ. They are apostolos of the churches, the glory of Christ. That description would seem to tell you that he means the word apostle as the word apostle. There's something else of interest in 2 Corinthians. If you look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, that's the section where he's contending with these false apostles. He says in verse 2, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow, as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. You would tolerate it. You listen to these other, and here you have probably the start of the Gnosticism and the false teachings about Jesus. Paul's saying to them here at Corinth, these other apostles come in with a different gospel, and you accept it. You put up with it. And he says in verse 5, For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. They're very eminent. They seem to be something. He says, Even though I am untrained in speech, Yet I am not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel 
of God to you free of charge. And again, you have a repetition of what we read about before. He said, I robbed other churches taking wages from them to minister to you. And he goes down, he says in verse um, uh, 11, why? Because I do not love you, God knows. What I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. If you are in the Madison, Connecticut area, we welcome you to join us for our 10 a.m. Sunday service at the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane. You can find directions and information about our church on our redesigned website at www.shiarjashub.org. And there is a library of Bible study programs and articles to help you delve into God's Word. I'm sure you will also find the blogs by Pastor Greg timely and powerful. Greg Scalzo's award-winning book, The Nature and Power of Prayer, has helped many understand the biblical principles necessary for an anointed prayer life. The book is available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com, and we have a link on the Shi'ar Jashub site to Pastor's author page. The church website again is shiarjashub.org. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.